this week on Hope for the Broken. Giving, being generous, stewardship is not an income issue, it's a heart issue. God can do more with 90% than I can with 100%. And I would also tell you that you and I sacrifice for the things that we think will be worth it. Here's my heart and prayer for us today, is that today at the end, you and I will come to understand that when we are generous with what God has given us, the sacrifice will be worth it. Welcome to Hope for the Broken, the audio podcast ministry of Trinity Baptist Church in Mount Pleasant, Texas. I'm your host, Austin Mahoney. We exist to become a gospel-centered community, redeeming brokenness through hope in Jesus Christ. At Trinity, we believe we are all broken and in need of the redeeming hope found in Jesus. For more information about our church, visit us on our website at trinitytx.org. This week, we wrap up our series called Back to the Basics. Here's our pastor, Chris Wigley, with part nine titled stewardship and generosity if you would take your bibles and turn with me to second corinthians chapter 9 second corinthians chapter 9 we're going to be in verses 6 through 15 this morning as we put a bow we wrap up our summer teaching series that we've entitled back to the basics and today we turn our attention to the subject of stewardship and generosity i know what you're thinking you're like, oh man, I come to church and the church is talking about money. Dadgummit, I should have stayed at home, right? I feel you, right? I feel the same uh, way in a lot of ways. But let me just say a couple of things before we jump in here this morning. Number one, the issue of stewardship, the issue of generosity is a discipleship issue. Since it is a discipleship issue, that means that this message is geared to those of you that are disciples of Jesus. There are two types of people, two groups of people that are here today in the room that have gathered with us online. Those that have trusted Jesus as their Lord and their Savior, and those that are apart from a relationship with God. That's the two categories of those of us here in this room. If you are here today and you have not trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to hear me. Because this is a discipleship issue, this message is not for you. This is reserved for those of us who have surrendered to Jesus as the Lord and Savior of our lives. So here's my prayer for those of you uh, within the sound of my voice, either on the room or online, who have not trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Here's what I want you to hear in today's message. God has been so generous to you. The, The most famous verse in all the scriptures, for God so loved the world, that means he loved you, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. My heart, my prayer for those of you that are apart from relation with Jesus, that today you would come to understand the generosity that God has shown you. For the other group that's in the room, those of us that are disciples of Jesus, remember with the beginning of this sermon series, we kicked off on the subject of what is discipleship. Halfway through, we took a look at what does it mean to call Jesus Lord of our lives. It means that we completely surrender it all to him. And so if you are here in this room and you have surrendered to Jesus, you have made him the Lord and Savior of your life, we are to yield everything that we have, including our finances, to him. And we talked about in the Lordship message about how it's easy to compartmentalize certain aspects of our lives and, and how some things are easy to give 
under the lordship of Jesus while other things are more difficult and more challenging. And I understand that this area of finances is one of those areas that may be a little more challenging for you. And so just first off the bat, the first thing that I would say is that this is a discipleship issue. The second thing that I would say is this, if you at all feel uncomfortable with this topic, I get it. I've been there. I have felt the exact same thing that you are feeling right now. And, and I, I, I grew up in a home where my parents modeled um, giving to the church and we would talk about it. They were, they were faithful and discipling me in that area. But it's a whole different ball game whenever it becomes your responsibility. Amen? Can you all feel me on that? And, and I wish I could tell you that I have always been obedient in this area of financial stewardship, but I can't because I haven't been. Uh, and it's easy for me even to this day for me to look at the electric bill, can I get an amen? And then look at the fact that today we're sending our daughter off to college and to go, hmm, I know where I can find some money real quick in the budget, right? There's a temptation for that. And so I still battle this today. I, I am not perfect. I have not been perfect in this area. But let me share with you the day my life in this area changed. Uh, I was a uh, student minister at the First Baptist Church of Burleson, Texas, and our pastor, Brother Mike, was doing a series of sermons on financial stewardship, and the very first Sunday that he was going to kick this off, I get a phone call real early in the morning. Now, that's unusual from a pastor, right, that you would get a phone call early in the morning, and so you, you answer it. Well, on the other end of the line, he's whispering, and he says, young man, right? And that's what he liked to call me, either young man or he called me Wiggly. He called me about, that's the only names that he ever called me. And he said, he basically said this, he said, my voice is gone. I don't know that I'll be able to preach all three services today, so I'm putting you on notice. And to which I said, uh, you're preaching about money. <laughs> uh, you can do this, right? And I was like, I, I am not going to preach on this subject. And remember, I, I haven't surrendered this unto the Lord. And so I, I'm just like, Brother Mike, I'm praying for you. And when I see you, I'm going to lay hands upon you and you're going to be healed, right? And, and so he, he preaches, he gets through the eight o'clock service. And as the Lord would have it, he comes to the student ministry area and he goes, Tag Wiggly, you're it. And he hands me his notes and he takes off. And, and here I am, not obedient in this area of finances, and I'm going to preach. You want to talk about feeling like a hypocrite? Like, it, it landed on me. And so I walk over to the, to the worship center, and I'm like, Jesus, just two things. Don't kill me. And number two, uh, just get me through the day, right? I would just really preach. So I preached, preached his sermon on financial stewardship to the 930 service and then the 1045 service. And then I went home. And I said, Kathy, put a for sale sign in the front yard. Get a garage sale together. We're selling everything, right? I was under conviction. I, I, I didn't feel good about it. Now, needless to say, we didn't do that. But that day, I remember it so very well. Because that day began in us a new way of approaching our finances. We sat down. And through much conversation and prayer, we set a budget. And to this day, the first line in our budget is giving to the church. And we haven't been perfect. Please don't hear me say that. We are not perfect. And we haven't been perfect in this area all the time. But it changed. Something in me changed. And it's because I began to see things from a different perspective. 
I began to understand what God's word had to say in the area of financial faithfulness. You know, before that moment, I used to ease my conviction by saying things like this, well, when I make more, then we'll give more. Or I would say something like this, well, you know what, I surrendered to ministry, I can make a lot more money in the marketplace, and so in a sense, what I've determined to do, Lord, with my life is a tithe to you, right? I've, I've rationalized that. But, but here's what I've come to know and understand. With every raise that I got throughout my lifetime, it became increasingly difficult to give. It was a challenge for me to give. You know, you know, it's odd that when you get a raise, did you know it's like already you're spending more? It, it's, it's crazy how that works. And so what I understood about giving, about stewardship is this. It's not an income issue. It's a heart issue. Giving, being generous, stewardship is not an income issue. It's a heart issue. And I know that that's been the case for me. And here's the conclusion that I've come to. God can do more with 90% than I can with 100%. God can do far more with 90% of my income than I can do with all of my income. And so my prayer for you and I is this, is that we would come to know God's faithfulness when we honor him in this arena of our lives. And I would also tell you that I think that we sacrifice for things all the time. You and I sacrifice for the things that we think will be worth it. How many of you go work out early in the mornings in the gym? Okay, a few of you that are unsaved do that. Um, (laughs) I'm kidding, Uh, I'm only kidding. Yeah, yeah, you you sacrifice, you sacrifice sleep, right? In, In order to gain health. You know where else we sacrifice? When we give to our 401k. Right? We, take, we set money aside now so that we have it later. And, and, w- and in both of those circumstances, the reason why we do that is because we've determined that the sacrifice will be worth it. Well, here's my heart and prayer for us today, is that today at the end, you and I will come to understand that when we are generous with what God has given us, the sacrifice will be worth it. It'll be more than worth it. That we'll come to the same conclusion. And let me also say this today. Let me me just say, my motive, I want to tell you my motivation for doing this sermon. It has nothing to do with getting you to give more. I just want to say up front, this church is a generous church. And God is using you in profound ways. Today is not about trying to get you to give more. I don't want to do that. That's not my heart. My heart is this, is that the scripture teaches it. Jesus talks about it more than any other subject. Jesus talks about the subject of finances. And and so it's a discipleship issue. And if we're going to talk about back to the basics, and we've talked about all these foundational truths, then this is a foundational discipleship truth. And so that is the sole motivation for me to share this message today. In fact, can I just confess something, just a little bit of transparency? You know, I I work on these sermon series, uh, try to stay a year uh, ahead. And so when this came up, I dreaded it from the moment I saw it in the spreadsheet, okay? I don't like talking about money. And I think think that there's two reasons why I struggle through this. Uh, One is you hear all the time non-believers say that all the church wants is my money. That is not true. Listen, God does not need our money. 
He doesn't. He could do what, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He could do whatever he wants. He's God. But number two, the, the reason why I feel this way is because you are a generous church. I feel like I'm preaching to the choir. But because this is what would be considered to be in the whole counsel of God, we have to teach this, right? Because God's word has a lot to say about it. And so that is the sole motivation for us coming to this today. All that to set the stage, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I want to begin in verse 6. I want to read through verse 15. And then I want to pull apart principles for a good financial stewardship. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth and he says, The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Three principles surrounding good stewardship founded in the scriptures. Number one, Good stewardship is a result of understanding God's provision. Good stewardship is a result of understanding that God has provided it. Now, I know and understand that we live in a day and time when we hear the word stewardship. It might be kind of like a foreign word to us. Uh, That's because it's not used in modern day vernacular anymore. I remember, and I'm going to date myself and maybe some of you. I remember when flight attendants used to be called stewardesses. Anybody else remember that? Right? Y'all are old, okay? Because they're not called that anymore. They're called flight attendants. And, and, and so we've lost this word of, of, of a steward. We've kind of lost that, that in our modern-day vernacular. Steward, when you read it in the Bible, essentially means manager. In fact, many modern-day translations of the Scriptures will use the word manager in place of the word steward now. That's because people understand manager more than they understand steward. We understand manager, right? A manager is someone that, that, that manages an account, a project, or even a company, right? They, they do it on behalf and the way in which the owner dictates that. So here's my question. Who cares more about how the business is run, the owner or the manager? Well, we'd have to agree that it's the owner, right? Why would the owner care that much about what the manager does? Well, because it all belongs to the owner, right? Well, for the sake of this illustration, here's what we need to know and understand. God owns everything. We own nothing. Everything is His. 
So therefore, God is the owner, and you and I, we're simply managers. That's what God has instructed us to do. In fact, King David came to the same conclusion. In Psalm chapter 24, verse 1, David says this, The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof. So everything in the earth is the Lord's. The world and those who dwell therein, everything belongs to God. And so if God is the owner of everything, we can come to a conclusion. The conclusion is, is that our jobs, our income, our homes, our cars, our possessions are all God's. And you and I are managers of what God has entrusted to us. If God owns it, he's entrusted to, to us to manage it. The scripture that we read, verse 10, says this. It says, he who supplies seed to the sower. He who supplies bread for food. Who is the he? It is God who supplies. Therefore, everything we have is his. Now, we have a tendency to think, I have worked hard to get everything that I have. And I would agree with you on that. I agree with you. Things come because we work hard. And God honors hard work. And you should work hard. But who gave you the ability to work? Who gave you the intellect to be able to learn what it is that you learn that you use for your income? It's God. And so therefore, everything belongs to God. You know, we often say a prayer before we enjoy a meal. I used to tell my kids all the time if they started eating before we prayed that they were going to get heartburn. <laughs> That's not why we pray, right? Why do we pray? It's not an empty ritual either. We pray before we consume food as it postures our hearts in gratitude for what we are about to enjoy. We pray because we recognize that God has provided it for us and we are thankful for that. That's what saying grace is all about. And here's the deal. When we come to the realization that God is the owner and we are the managers, we are much more purposeful in how we spend, what we do, and how generous we are. We become people that desire to follow the plan of the owner. And God's word is full of teachings on this very subject, more so than any other single subject. Why is that the case? Why does Jesus spend so much of his teaching time pertaining to money? Well, he warned us. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, it says, he says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our heart is often tied and wrapped up and on display in how we manage money. And Jesus tells us that this is a heart issue. And so stewardship is a heart issue. It's a discipleship issue. And we become good stewards, good managers, when we realize that God owns it all, and he has provided it to us. The second principle that we learn in this passage of study today is that good stewardship is rooted in the gospel. Not only is it a result of understanding God's provision, generosity, stewardship is rooted in the gospel, the very gospel we preach. Look with me again at verse 13 of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul says, By their approval of this service... They will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ. Now listen, this is extremely important. 
our submission to the Lord in the area of financial stewardship, our surrendering to the Lord, that's what that submission means, our surrendering to the Lord cannot be fueled by guilt, but must instead be fueled by the very gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's what I mean by that. Preachers can guilt us into giving, but to me that is all wrong. It's wrong on so many levels. But it's wrong because, number one, it's short-lived. If I'm guilted into doing something, I'm guilted into doing something only for a short period of time. It's short-lived. But also, it's the wrong motivation. God doesn't want you to give out of guilt. Guilt is not of God. It is a tool of the enemy. And so, therefore, we give, our motivation to give comes from our submission our surrendering of ourselves to Jesus. And it comes from our understanding, Paul says, of the gospel of Jesus. It's a display of grace, not of guilt. Generosity is rooted in our understanding of how generous God has been to us. There's an age-old hymn entitled, He Gave Himself for Me, that highlights this perfectly. This is what the lyrics of that first verse and chorus are. It's the debt I owed I could not pay, for I was helpless from the fall. Yet still I heard the Spirit say that Jesus paid it all. He paid my debt upon the cross. He died to set me free. When nothing else could pay the loss, He gave Himself for me. The Gospel tells us that you and I, all people, have sinned. We've missed the mark of God's perfection. I'm a sinner. You are a sinner. And the penalty of your sin and of mine is so high that there's no way that you and I could ever meet it. It demands our very life. Oh, but Jesus, God, and His great love for us, saw us in that state, helpless state, and sent his best, gave his all, was laid in a tomb, but raised on the third day. And when Jesus went to the cross, here's what I want us to know and understand, is he took your place and mine. That was not Jesus' cross to bear. It was my cross to bear. But he bore it on my behalf. In my place, he gave his all. Listen, our generosity is a reflection of the generosity that has already been shown to us. We give because he first gave. Now, there is much debate among New Testament scholars as to whether or not the tithe is a New Testament principle. You know, uh, and and I, I probably need to back up here and not presuppose that we all understand what the word tithe means. Tithe is a word that simply means 10%. It was commanded by God to the Jews in the Old Testament to give 10% of their income to the storehouse. Okay, That's the tithe. It was commanded in the Old Testament. Fast forward to the New Testament. We don't see anywhere where that command is issued that you are to tithe. And so does the New Testament teach tithing or not? I think it's this. I think the point of the New Testament not teaching that is that there is a change. The new covenant, the cross of Jesus Christ, changed everything. It changed from an obligation to a privilege. 
It changed from something we did out of guilt to something we do because of God's grace. So there's a change here. Now, I do see evidence on what a lot of New Testament scholars would say, well, the tithing is presupposed. In other words, it's a given in the New Testament. Where do you see that? Well, in Luke chapter 11, verse 42, Jesus is talking, and this is what he says. He says, but woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe, there's that word, you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done. In other words, giving, tithing you ought to have done without neglecting the others. So I see the point that some people would say, well, tithing is presupposed in the New Testament. Listen, here's what I want us to get to see. Regardless of which scholar is right in that circumstance, I do not know, but this I do know. Generosity cannot be motivated by legalism. Your giving and mine cannot be done because it's legalistic. Why? Because legalism creates a sense of obligation. Every law that is out there, we abide out of obligation to that law in fear of a penalty if we break the law. But God's economy is entirely different. If we give out of obligation, it's like we're trying to earn something from God. It's it's like we're trying to earn either our salvation or we're trying to earn God's favor in our lives. Listen, if you are a child of Christ, you have received Jesus. God's favor has already been on your life. He's rescued you from your sin and from your shame. God's favor is upon you. You don't have to earn it. In fact, you can't earn it. I can't earn God's favor. And so we, when it comes to giving, legalism is not the answer. Uh, generosity must be fueled by grace. And when it is fueled by God's grace, it's an act of worship. That's what giving is. Giving in order to get is legalism. And giving because of what already has been given is grace. And generosity cannot be motivated by legalism. It must be motivated by the gospel. And here's the practicality behind it. When the truth of what Jesus has done for you and me truly sinks in, when we truly grab a hold of what God has done for us, people who are unworthy of it, I want to give much more than 10%. Seems kind of insignificant, right, when you think about it in that way. So instead, I want to give everything to him because he gave everything for me. And that changes the way I spend. It changes the way I give. But it's not done out of obligation, you see. It's done because of God's grace. Paul says it this way in verse 7. He says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. That's legalism. For God loves a cheerful giver. The word cheerful is actually where we get our word hilarious. God loves a a giver that gives and laughs about it. In other words, it is a joy of somebody's heart. Listen, my, my sole goal is that you would be obedient to whatever it is that the Lord is leading you to do. I, I in no way, shape, or form want to guilt anybody into doing anything. That would be legalistic. 
I just want you to consider what God has done for you and what he has said about your finances and how you and I can honor him in that arena of our lives. And I want to share with you how this has practically played itself out in, in our life, mine and Kathy's life. Again, I'm not sharing this with you to receive any kind of applause because I have not been perfect in this. But I just want to share our perspective on it. And you do with it what you will. When God got a hold of my heart and Kathy's heart on that day that I preached that sermon, we began to realize that everything that we have is from God. And so we began to prioritize giving to Him. And we went back and forth on, well, does the, the Old Testament teach his tithe, but does the New Testament teach tithe? What should we do? How much should we give? All this kind of stuff. And this is the realization that we came from, came to. Since it all belongs to God, let's just let 10% be the foundation and it's not the maximum. So the conclusion that we've come through is, is 10% is, uh, in our generosity department is the floor. It's not the ceiling. And, and because God owns it all, and as we are able, we can give more. And we want to give more. And it is not a display of compulsion or legalism. It is simply because God has been so good to us. God has been so faithful to us. You be obedient to what the Lord is leading you. That's just simply our story and where we're coming from and how we perceive the tithe in the New Testament. Okay, So we've talked about good stewardship as a result of understanding God's provision. Secondly, good stewardship is rooted in the gospel. Thirdly, good stewardship is a reward to self and others. When you and I are faithful, when we honor God, did you know that there is actually a reward? We receive an award, reward, plus we give a reward. And while we do not give in order to get, there are benefits that come from honoring God in this area of our life. Read with me verse 13 through verse 14 in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul says, By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and they pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you when you and i give we get to be a blessing but you know what we receive a blessing when we give not only do we give but we get let me give you four prepositions that will help us understand the totality of biblical stewardship now some of you that are grammar nerds in the room your heart just leapt for joy we're going to talk about prepositions at church it's going to be awesome Four, four prepositions, okay, that are the summation of biblical stewardship. From, unto, through, and for. Everything is from God, unto us, through our generosity, for the kingdom. You catch that? That's biblical stewardship wrapped up in a nutshell from God unto us through our generosity for the kingdom. I want us to say that together. You don't have to do the hand motions unless you just want to. They're fun. You could do them, right? 
We ready? Here we go. Everything is from God unto us through our generosity for the kingdom of God. Biblical stewardship in a nutshell. Paul says it very similarly. In verse 11 of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he says it this way. You will be enriched in every way. That means it's from God given unto you. Why? To be generous in every way. Which through us, there's the through, will produce thanksgiving to God. That's for the kingdom. You see it? You will be enriched in every way, to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God, the biblical salvation of stewardship. And when we see it that way, and when we understand that our generosity is a reward to self and others, it changes everything. It's a reward to us, not because we're going to get something out of it. It's a reward to us because we get to be a part of it, right? When we give to the kingdom of God, like I said earlier, God doesn't need it. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't need my money, right? But when we give it to the kingdom of God, we get to be a part of what he's doing, not only here, not only in our church, not only in our community, but around the world. We get to be a part of it. And that's a blessing back to us to say that you're making an investment in something that will never go away. You're investing in eternity. Good stewardship. It's a result of understanding that God provided it. It's rooted in the gospel. And it's a reward for yourself and for others. You're listening to Trinity Baptist Church's Hope for the Broken podcast. If you would like to learn more about this ministry, visit us online at trinitytx.org. That's trinitytx.org. Here's Pastor Chris to wrap up our time together. Thanks for listening today. I'm so glad that you found this podcast. It is our prayer that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. It is our goal at Trinity to lead everyone into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have questions about what it means to trust Jesus as the Lord of your life, we would love to connect with you. Please feel free to give us a call at 903-572-1959 or email us at info at trinitytx.org. If you are ever in the East Texas area, we invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 930 or 11 a.m. Thanks so much for listening today. God bless you. We pray that you have experienced hope today. If you would like to support the ministries of Trinity Baptist Church with a financial gift, you can do so by giving online. Simply log on to trinitytx.org and click the Give tab. Be sure to join us next week as we look into God's Word on Hope for the Broken.